So I'm going to be talking about gaps. Now, the first gap that we can talk about is, is what you see sometimes in busy places. Malls, airports, subway terminals, I mean, just wherever there's a big crowd. And you will see parents sometimes trying to manage or to hang on to their kids. And you probably have a number in your mind what the safe gap is depending on where you are, if you're a parent of a small child. The, the visibility thing, how far ahead can they be from me that I still feel comfortable that some crazy person isn't going to come and snatch them and run away with them. So depending on where you are, you've got a distance somewhere in your head, trust me, you do, of what that number is, or the visibility factor. If it's too crowd, how far in front of me can they be, or behind me, or beside me? That makes me feel comfortable that I'm not going to lose them. You've had this happen to you in places. If you've been at Costco uh, on Christmas Eve, <laughs> if you've ever been to a theme park that's been busy, I, I don't care if it's Wonderland or Disney World, and there's just mobs and mobs of people, and, and that number can sometimes contract. Or then we can do what this mom does. <laughs> right? We can I use the word leash? What's, what's the appropriate word in the 21st century? Harness? That's a horse. Is there a better word here? Tether? Tether. Let's go with the 20-something word tether. I like that. And let's go to the next slide. This is what happens when you don't tether. I'm not sure what's going on there. She's on her knees. Uh, I don't know what the blue and black pillars are behind her. I'm assuming she's looking up at somebody she knows, but the guy in front of her with, I'm assuming, the cell phone in his left hand, you can't tell if he's frustrated or exasperated or anything. But somehow or another, she's got far enough ahead that she can turn around, get on her knees, and I'm assuming the thumb is in her mouth. <laughs> and my thought about that is the gap was probably too big. We don't know what happened before that, but I think there's a story. Gaps. There are other kinds of gaps. The, the one that kind of struck me the quickest is probably at the subway, right? Where you see this painted all along the signs of the platforms, mind the gap. And the idea behind that is, is as you're moving from the platform into the subway car, that there is a little space there, and then if you're not careful, if you don't walk across carefully, maybe lift your feet just a little bit, the possibility is, is that you'll get your foot caught and you will tumble into the car, or worse, if the car begins to move and you're hung up. Don't even want to go there, right? But you've seen it on the news occasionally. There's always these little blasts in the United States where somebody has fallen in fallen down. Now the car has been gone, but they've fallen down, right? They haven't been paying attention. They've slipped off the platform and they've fallen down onto the rails or of course there's electrical current down there. And so the thought always when you're on a platform with these things is mind the gap. Pay attention to the gap. So a couple of other stories here. <coughs> when my son Mitch 
was uh, finishing uh, high school at Essex High here, he decided to do not what was called a gap. It was called a lap. And he had finished high school, but he didn't quite want to start university or college yet. And he wanted to play high school football. And he said, Mom and Dad, I'm going to take a lap here. So I don't know. We didn't know. We were you know, younger then. And we thought, well, we don't know what that term means. He's going to sit in our lap for a year. We didn't, we didn't know what that means. Right? He's a big boy. And he wanted to go back to high school for a semester so he could play high school football. Now, I played high school football, and I really tried to do my best to tell my kids, don't play high school football, because it's a dangerous sport. I saw more than one ambulance at our high schools when I played football, mostly for guys getting their knees blown out, their MCLs and their ACLs from helmet to the knee stuff. And for those of you, those of you that don't want to be grossed out, just do this for a minute. But for those of you that want to be grossed out, there's nothing that sounds greater than the pop on a football field when you hear that. If you've heard it, you know what I mean. If you haven't heard it, I'm sure YouTube has it, right? So he went back for the lap year, for the lap semester to play football. And I remember I was in that kitchen on a Friday night because the district superintendent and his posse were here and they were talking to us about something important. I think it might have been in corporation that night, one of our very first conversations. And I get a phone call from my wife, Karen, who knows nothing about football, but feels that she needs to show up on the side of the field because back when he played rugby, he showed up on the side of the field. And to this day, I don't understand rugby. But he played a couple years of rugby and wanted to play football. I told him, don't play football, you're going to regret it. And on, in the last minute of the first game, pop. And he gets his knee blown up and the rest is history. Ask his doctors. So that was a lap year. But the proper term is a gap year. And this is what people do when they finish their education and they're going to start something else. But they want to take a year off, either to work, to make some more money because schooling is expensive, or they want to volunteer at some organization to build up a resume, or, or sometimes uh, some people just want to take a year off and travel, just chill a little bit before they get back into the academic scene again. And that's called a gap year. Now those things can be very good or indifferent, and I'm going to, or even dangerous, but I'm going to look at that. But I want you to think about minding the gap this week and the gaps that you have moving forward. And I'm going to do that, strangely enough, through a passage and several passages in our Old Testament. And I'm going to speak to you about the importance of gaps but also recognizing that there can be dangers in gaps if you don't use them wisely. So Exodus 20, verses 8 to 11. You with me? Turn there. The slide will come up, but you got a Bible. It's good to look it up. The other scripture verses I have for you, they're longer, so they're not going to be on the slides, and you'll have to turn to them in the Bibles. So Moses is writing all this down, and it says this. Remember the Sabbath day. Remember Moses? He's an Israelite. He's writing to the Jewish nation about the Jewish law. Here's the laws that God are giving them. Here's one of them. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. 
Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not work, neither you nor your son nor your daughter, nor your male or your female servants, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day, the Sabbath day, and he made it holy. God says to them, you need to rest. God says to them, in your work week, there needs to be a gap. There needs to be a break. So I'm going to look at three things that you need to monitor as it relates to minding the gap. The first one is, is the dangers of gap. On the subway picture that I gave you there, it reminds you about minding the gap. It's necessary that there's a gap between the platform and, and the car that's moving by. They can't be touching. There needs to be a little bit of gap for movement. However, that little gap, as narrow as it might be, can represent a danger to somebody, especially a smaller person, should they get their foot caught in the gap and trip. And so the gap is necessary and important, but there's an implication, at least in the subways, that the gap implies a potential danger. You've heard the expression, and it's an expression. It's not a proverb. It's based on a proverb. It's based on Proverbs 16, 27 to 29. But it's too loosely translated to say that it's a proverb. But idle hands are the tools of the devil. We've heard that, right? Idle hands are the tools of the devil. What's the gist of this? The gist is this. If you're not keeping yourself busy doing something, hopefully something constructive, your mind will wander, and you may find yourself doing something destructive. Your mind and your hands. Apparently, the devil will use your idleness to do something bad with you. True or false? We'll see. When we look at the gaps in our lives, and we're on one, holidays, pauses between tasks, weekends, or days off as opportunities to relax, read a book, binge watch some of our favorite DVR shows, or to sleep in, or perhaps to just walk around in your PJs, or perhaps to finish or start some much-needed project that's been going on. We look at those gaps and we say, well, that's what I'm going to do. I'm used to working all of the time. I'm used to putting in long hours, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to do nothing, or I'm going to read a book, or I'm going to watch some TV shows, or I'm just going to walk around in the PJs. When I was in the office on Friday working on this, I had CKLW on, and uh, Dan McDonald was, was doing the 9 o'clock show, and he was talking about how his Christmas was pretty laid back, and on Christmas Day, what he did was he got up in the morning, and all he did was walk around in his PJs. Can you relate? All right? Some of you don't want to raise your hand, but you know you did that. <laughs> the idea of the gap for many of us is just to do nothing. However, the Bible doesn't teach gaps as times to do just nothing. That's not a biblical concept. The biblical concept when we have gap times is not just to lay around or do nothing with those times. But those times of gaps where we rest from our work or from other things 
should actually be utilized to do things that build us up physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And I'll get into that in just a moment. But we're reminded here that there can be dangers in gaps. If you look at the passage in 2 Samuel chapter 11, the one that first occurred to me when I was working on this message was, was King David. The Bible tells us in 2 Samuel 11 that in, in the days or the times when the kings were supposed to be off to war, interesting phrase, you know, in other words, when it was good weather, when you could get your chariots and your horses and your men out of the field and you didn't have to worry about inclement weather. It says when, when David should have been out to battle, that he took some time off. He decided to stay at home. It was a self-imposed gap. Now, it shouldn't have been. But my thinking is, is he had enough of fighting for a while. My thinking is that he was probably physically and emotionally exhausted. And he just didn't, he just didn't want to go out and lead another charge. And I can, I can relate to that. Or sometimes you just don't feel like getting out there leading another charge. And you say to yourself, you know what? I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to do nothing. And so David's hanging out at his palace, whatever it looks like in those days. And he's supposed to be just doing nothing. He's supposed to be resting, right? He's pooped up, to use the technical term. And it's that time where he takes this gap period and he sees Bathsheba. And of course, the rest is history. And you know the story, or at least if you don't know the story, you can read the rest of 2 Samuel 11 and follow it. What we, what we recognize from that was King David utilized a gap when he shouldn't have done that. And he used this gap to stay at home. And then when he was staying at home, and he wasn't perhaps in the best state spiritually, emotionally, physically, he noticed the young woman across the way, so to speak, and he makes, he, makes, he makes a decision that leads to all kinds of sin and despair in his life and her life and in her family's life, and that eventually affects the whole nation of Israel. Needless to say, it is poor use of a self-directed gap. He took time off when he shouldn't have, and he utilized it to commit sin, and a crime. So when we have gap times, when we have breaks, we have to mind the gap. We have to recognize that if the gap isn't used wisely, there are dangers that can, can happen. And the danger here that we're reminded from King David, and it's just one example, and it may seem somewhat random to you, but I think it's a good example that if we don't use the gaps wisely, what can happen is sin can happen in our lives when we've got the downtime. The second thing we need to do, other than watch for dangers, is we also need to assess some of the other risks. Every danger doesn't necessarily mean sin, but it can. But we have to assess the risks. What does gap time mean? Well, for many of us, it just means that I can goof off, that, I, that it doesn't matter what I do in the next little while. It's, it's me time. And again, the question is, just, what could possibly happen? Maybe David felt that way. King David, what could possibly happen if I don't lead my army out, if I just take a few days off for me time? So we need to assess the risks of the downtime. Now that might seem extreme to some of you, and I, and I can appreciate that, but we have to understand this, is that the devil and temptation 
can, can strike us at any place, any time. In Ephesians chapter 6, it tells us to put on the full armor of God. In other words, God's full protection. To make sure that we have God on ourselves, that we're, we're spiritually prepared, so that when the day of evil comes, that we're ready. The whole idea is, is that we're in the armor all of the time because we don't know when the temptation is going to come. We don't know when the day of evil comes. That's why the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6 doesn't say, well, on Saturday, at 10 o'clock in the morning, you are going to be tempted. And then you say to yourself, well, that's okay. That's, that's great. I know exactly when it's going to happen. And so I'm going to be ready for whatever happens on Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. So when you're out sitting in the living room, guys, and you're drinking your coffee, kind of flipping through the newspaper or on your iPad, and you see your spouse and your kids come towards you at 9.59.58, aha, you know that the devil is about to strike for your family members because you were told at 10 o'clock it's going to happen. But does it ever happen like that? It happens when we least expect it many times. It happens in places that we least expect it. It happens in events and places that we are least expected. I mean, it, it is uncanny how on what we sometimes think is just going to be an ordinary, quiet day, something extraordinary happens that can change our, our life forever or our relationship with somebody or our own relationship. When temptation comes our way and we're not ready for it, that bam, there it is, and now what do we do? And so, mining the gap means understanding that if we don't use the gaps properly, we can sin. Mining the gap means that we need to assess all of the gaps in our lives and make sure that we're not, quote Proverbs 16, idle or not Ephesians 6, aware of what can happen. But temptation can come at any time, and we always have to be ready to take our stand. Just because it's a down time or it's a gap time doesn't mean it shouldn't be a spiritual time. Now, do you understand what I'm saying? If you're sitting at home binge-watching one of your favorite shows and you're in your pajamas eating caramel popcorn, Augustine's, and drinking Coca-Cola, Brent, right? And you think, well, what, what can happen? What could happen? I mean, this is easy. You're on holidays. What could happen? This is easy. You're with your best friends. What could happen? And you assume that there is no spiritual risk in the day or the events at all, and then wham, something comes up, something is said, something is done, and you're not ready. And then what was supposed to be a quiet time gap all of a sudden becomes a problem in our lives because we assume that if we're taking a day off, the devil's taking a day off, sin's taking a day off, temptation's taking a day off. We're not watching what's going on, we're not watching what's going in our eyes, we're not watching what's going on in our ears, we're not watching what's going on in our heads, and something happens that's negative to us, and it hurts us. Or like in David's case, it hurts others. So, be aware, mind the gap, but sin is always out there lurking in some way. Secondly, that what seems like average ordinary days with ordinary events, with the regular or ordinary people, there are always the possibilities of spiritual risk. Now, I'm not suggesting that you should be paranoid. 
But at the same time, the Bible says that you always have the full armor of God on, you're always able to stand your ground, that you are aware of your surroundings, spiritually and otherwise, and, and you're just as, as Colt was singing, you know, spirit lead me. Galatians chapter 5, you know, keep in step with the spirit. Be led of the spirit because you do not know when the day of evil comes. But now that's the negative stuff. Let me get to the positive stuff. When you're, when you're mining your gaps, when you're looking at the gaps that are in your lives, the downtimes, the quiet times, they're supposed to be restful times, there's a positive thing that you can do, and these are where I'm going to draw the scriptures for you this morning. Leverage your gaps. In other words, make good use of your gap times, your, your downtime. So, again, this week, you, you had a few extra days off, and probably for many of us, you filled it with family or friends in some way or another, and food, right? And you looked at this week and you had it all planned out and you could predict what was going to happen. And for many of us, it, it went off just like we, we had planned it for. And for some of us, all we wanted to leverage this week was just quiet, downtime, family time. We didn't really want to do anything big or important or enormous. We just, again, get some extra sleep, maybe read a book that we were hoping to get to, maybe watch a little bit of TV that we were hoping to get to watch, and then, you know, just kind of rest up. Because, you know, everything's going to get back to normal real soon. But the scriptures tell us that there's a biblical mandate to leverage our gaps properly. The first one that we've read for you is Exodus 20, verses 8 to 11. The gist is this. The Bible teaches that everyone needs to rest from their work. And they all said? Amen. 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 Some of us are better at it than others. Again, as I was listening to the radio the other day, I heard a report, and I probably got the numbers wrong, but the number was astronomically high about how many people, when they're on holidays or on their days off, are still connected to the workplace. It was in double digits. In other words, many people these days, because of electronics, you're always at work. You're watching your cell phone for a text message, you're watching your cell phone for an email, somebody's contacting you on the phone, something comes up. None of us are very far away from our workplaces anymore. If someone were to suggest to you that you take your cell phone on Saturday morning and turn it off and leave it beside your bed for the whole day, the stress that would cause many of us. Because it's the what if. What if work needs me? What if my kids need me? What if my grandbabies need me? I gotta know. What was the score last night? I gotta know. No names, you know me. But we know of a family that's away on holidays and they intentionally turn their phone off for a while but then turned it on for one day because it was birthday celebration time and they just wanted to see how many people are going to wish them happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I hope the number was high. Or oh, it's a bummer. Right? It's hard. It's hard to disconnect. But the Bible says this. This is all the way back in the second, you know, Genesis X, the second book of the Bible. We all need to rest from work. 
You need to rest from work. In fact, this goes on to say that, like the men servants, the maid servants, you know, the foreigners, the animals, everybody should get at least a day off. And a day off means a day off, not a day almost off or partially off. And so you need to look at this. So let, let me just let me just challenge you. You need to look at this if you're a boss. Are you, by contacting the people that work for you or report to you on their day off about stuff that doesn't matter and you just need to chill? I can't get away today. If you're an employee, are you always on just in case because you need to feel needed or wanted or important? Place to fall down if I'm not there. The Bible says take a day off. <clears throat> Secondly, let me read some other passages for you or, or touch on that. Go to Exodus 23, verses 14 to 17. And again, for time's sake, I'm not going to read them all, but I will highlight what they say. The Jews were required to do this. They were required to take one day off a week. The Jews were required, the men were required to make it to three annual festivals. A year. All Jews were supposed to celebrate a Sabbath year. And then in Leviticus 25, we're told that they're also supposed to celebrate the year of Jubilee. So let me, let me speak to you about these things. On the Sabbath day, they were supposed to rest from work, but they were also supposed to do what? Worship God. We call that Sunday now. The Lord's Day. And so the idea is, is that you're doing exactly what God wants you to do. This is biblically mandated. I don't care Old or New Testament. It's biblically mandated. But you take a day off and you spend some of that time in worship. Now that can mean meeting like this. And it can also mean, you know, listening to worship music at home or, or, or reading your Bible or praying at home. It's not one of the other things. But the whole idea is the day off is to rest physically and, and to, you know, kind of recharge physically and emotionally. But also it's to recharge you spiritually. But we're to take some of that time, just like you're doing now, to focus on God. In Exodus 23, verses 14 to 17, it tells us that not only should that be a weekly thing, but it should be a quarterly thing. I mean, this is good stuff, folks. We should talk to the government of Canada about this. <laughs> and then there should be a period of time, again, where in the busyness of a very busy year, stressful year, that you take not just a day, but they were feast days, often lasting about a week long. Again, talk to your MP about this. And again, the whole idea was to rest from work and to worship God. There was also in Leviticus 25 that there was, at verses 1 to 7, a Sabbath year. Again, to rest from working the land and all of those things. The idea was this, that what Israel grew in the sixth year, would feed them for the sixth year, would be feeding them in the seventh year. And I think while they're, yeah, I think while they were like uh, harvesting their crops in the eighth year, or at least planting the crops, they would still be eating the food from the sixth year. God said, you honor me with this, giving the land rest, and I will make sure that your crops that you grow in the sixth year will still be supplying you food in the eighth year. Now, we don't know if Israel ever took this on, 
But again, the whole idea was rest, worship, trust God, let God move supernaturally, let God show you. Because people do this, right? Well, I mean, if you're a farmer, I mean, how can I just let everything go fallow for a year? I mean, a field or two, fine. Switch the crops around, fine. But plant nothing in the seventh year, nothing, and then believe that what I harvested in the sixth is going to do me through the seventh year and into my eighth year. And basically God was saying this, trust me. Demonstrate some faith and trust me. Leave a gap year even for the land, an inanimate object, not a person, not even an animal. Just let the land rest. Let it heal. Let the nutrients kind of rejuvenate in the ground. And then the Bible talks about the year of Jubilee in Leviticus 25, 8 to 54. When believe it or not, in this, after seven sevens, after seven years of, of sabbatical years, in the 50th year, if you had sold your land, it was supposed to come back to you. If you had sold yourself into debt, it was supposed to uh, alleviate the debt you were able to go free again. The whole idea was that in this 50th year, that everybody was redeemed. Everybody got a gap year. Things went back to the way they're supposed to be. That there was supposed to kind of, you know, reshuffle the debt economically and, and those kinds of things. And that they, the Israelites were all treated fairly and didn't lose their land and their homes and all of those kinds of things. But the Bible is telling us through these four days or these four feasts or these four years here is that gaps are good. They're biblically mandated. In fact, not only are they good, they're excellent if they're used wisely and biblically. So it's the end of 2019 you're looking to 2020, if you're still working, if you're not retired, or whatever it is that you're, you're doing in these years, you're looking at, you know, the days off to come, Wednesday, New Year's Day, that's, I, I got an extra day off, what am I going to do with that day? I'm going to, you know, binge watch TV and walk around in my pajamas and eat my caramel popcorn. <laughs> I, got, I got three weeks of holidays coming up in the new year, what am I going to do? I'm going to go lay on a beach, or I'm going to go camping, or I'm going to go fishing, I'm going to... I'm going to utilize that that time, or I got to paint the house, or I got to do this, or I got to do. I mean, we're we're already thinking into the next year what we're going to do about those things. What I'd like you to think about, just as a spiritual person, as a person that, that loves Jesus and understanding the biblical mandates, that there are better ways to utilize gaps. Now, I'm not saying don't go on holidays. I'm not saying you can't watch any TV. I'm not saying you can't read a book. I got one for my birthday. I haven't even started yet. I, I'm not saying you shouldn't paint the house. But make sure you include these things. First one in Exodus. From Exodus chapter 20. Make sure on your day off that you rest from your work. Let me help you for those of you that are hearing impaired. Stop working. Now, for some of us, that's, that's, that's a laugh. For others of us, it's... My wife is not looking at me. It's hard to shut her down, right? Some of us. Some of us, if we're not doing something, we feel like we're not doing anything. 
Some of you kind of pace the house a little bit. You're staring out the window, checking your phone, and you're almost hoping that something or somebody's going to interrupt you and give you something to do. If that's consistent, that's not biblical rest. Stop working, and if you're in charge of other people, let them stop working. So they can recharge. And if you want to be a little devious, the whole idea behind that is the better recharge they are, when they come back, you can make them work even harder on Monday. <laughs> but they need their time off. Secondly, you have to understand that not only to stop working, but you are to continue worshiping. This day is to be, in a sense, God's day. Not just our day, but God's day. And the worship doesn't have to stop at 10 to 12 or 5 to 12. You can redeem the rest of the time, or at least some of the rest of the time. Understand that you need to do that every week. Understand, spiritually speaking, that if you set apart days during the year to take care of yourself spiritually, like they did on the annual feast, that you might do better spiritually and emotionally and physically. If you planned it into your schedule, just like you plan everything else in your schedule, but I'm going to take a Saturday or something like that or a day off, you know, four times a year, just a spiritual recharge. Not a Sunday, but a Saturday or a Friday, whatever it is, whatever your schedule allows, that you can spiritually recharge. That you, you make an event once a year as a focus on God. That well, now we all realize we can't go to our boss and say this. My pastor said I'm to take the seventh year off. <laughs> fully paid, fully benefited, right? I understand that. But you can take the principle of every seven years looking at your life and saying, well, where am I today? A am I better today than I was in the last bunch of years? It's kind of an assessment time. Now, if you're taking care of yourself weekly and quarterly, guess what? The report that comes in on the Sabbath here is, I'm in good shape. But some of us never ask the question. Ask the question. You know, you've been saved 15, 20, 35 years. Am I further along spiritually now that I'm an older man or an older woman than I was when I first got going? Have you actually ever sat down and even done the assessment? This allows us to do that. And it allows us, again, to put the focus on God. And the seventh year is, is a faith year. It reminds us that as God has been faithful in the past, God will continue to be faithful in the future. That I can trust Him. And then finally, the year of Jubilee is this. The year of Jubilee where, where the land goes back to its owners, the homes go back to its owners, those that sold themselves into slavery, their slavery is removed, reminds us of this, is that the gaps can be used to bless others. So gaps can do three things. They can keep you from work. They can put your focus on God to worship. And then as it's stated in the year of Jubilee, they allow us to help others. So when you're having gap times, whether they're days or hours or a week, or two, or more, ask yourself these three questions. How can I leverage this gap time to make sure that I don't work? And if that means putting the phone away, 
getting away from the computer, let you do that. I need to rest. I need to rest physically. But for most of us, because we're not like drilling rock, you know, we're not putting uh, jackpot drills and stopers into mines anymore. And we don't have shovels in the ground for many of us. It's resting this. It's letting the mind rest. You let the mind rest, you can spiritually enhance yourself. But if you're doing what a lot of us do, let me illustrate this for you. It's prayer time. So let's say you do it the old-fashioned way. You get down on your knees. And you think, okay, God, I'm going to pray now. And you're about 15 seconds into the prayer, you're thinking, about well, what do I got to do tomorrow? I wonder how my kids are. Oh, you know what? I, I forgot to return that gift at Christmas. I need to make sure I do that on Monday. Does that happen to anybody? <coughs> the mind, the mind is just going, going. Now, this is going to take a while. You're going to have to train yourself to rest from work and to not work and the others that are working for you to, to make sure that they get the day off, the weekend off, whatever it is. But rest from your work. Secondly, make sure that you use some of that time to worship God. We are, we're, folks, it is amazing that although our, our time, our downtime seems to be so little, it, it's how much of it we waste doing things like, again, pardon me for ranting on the TV stuff, but many of us are guilty about that. We just waste some time watching hours of nothing or reading hours of nothing. It's not helping us physically or spiritually or emotionally. It's just, it's just waste. And then we think, well, how could we have redeemed that time? I mean, you know, the Bible tells us we've got three score and ten. You've only got 168 hours a week. Do you really want to spend 30 on watching TV? Maybe the answer is, yeah, I don't know. That is not a good time, not a good way for Christians to spend their time. And then also understanding the gap times from the last principle here of the year of Jubilee is, is to lessen the burden of others. That's a good way. You might say, well, there might be some work in that. Well, there might be some work, but it's not profit work. It's not profiting you. It's not profiting the company. All it's profiting is someone else that maybe has a hard time. And you learn to give some of your time. Part of your worship is giving it to other people who need to help. That's what the year of Jubilee was about. It was all about releasing the burden of, an, of bondage and indebtedness during those years. That people got off to an equal start again. I, I was watching the news this morning for a church, and they reported a church in California that the project that it took on, listen to this, the project that they took on was to help people in their church area eliminate medical debt. A lot of people in their area had a lot of medical debt that they couldn't pay for. It had put them into indebtedness. It put them into bondage. It was putting some of them even into homelessness. And so the church went to the, uh, the debt holders, the people that were responsible for collecting the debt for these unpaid uh, medical bills, and they bought the debt from those people for pennies on the dollar, paid it all off. The total amount that, the total amount that it was worth, now remember, it was bought pennies on the dollar, but the total indebtedness that they eliminated that was worth to the people paying it off was $5.3 million. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's a church that worshiped God and, and that helped others in, in great financial need. And what a great witness. I mean, that's a Christmas those people are going to remember. And so... <clears throat> 
Leverage your gaps. Mind the gaps. Don't let them be used for things that aren't benefiting you physically, spiritually, mentally, or emotionally. Make sure that you're utilizing them to, to relieve yourself from work, to worship God, and to help somebody else out. Those are great ways to leverage your gaps. So, you had a little bit of a one today. You've got another one on Wednesday. For those of you that you got the weekend off next week, just think about this, would you? Just think about this. How can I leverage the gap times? Mine them carefully so that they don't lead me into something destructive. And the best way to do that is to leverage them appropriately so I can honor God. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and pray.